Welcome to Shooting the Frisbees with your hosts, Jake and Randy, discussing all things freestyle frisbee and whatever else that comes up. Welcome to Shooting the Frisbees with Jake and Randy. Hey, Jake, how are you doing today? I am great. How are you, Randy? I am doing fabulous. Uh, one thing I wanted to bring up today before our episode is that uh, looking at the freestyle calendar coming up this summer, it is just jam-packed with events. Did you notice that? I did notice that. It looks like there's something starting this weekend for every weekend except for one between now and August, which is huge. That's uh, It's going to keep everyone really busy, and uh, it's going to give us a lot of live streams coming up, too. This episode will actually be posted after these events, but there's the U.S. Open that's going on in Tallahassee and uh, the Italian Open as well. Both will have been live streamed. So that's pretty cool that all of these events are lined up and all the live streams and, you know, we're going to get to uh, participate. Like Potlatch is going to be up here in Seattle, Ryan's tournament at the end of um, uh, July. It's at the end of June. It's um, usually it's 4th of July weekend, but 4th of July is on a Wednesday this this year. So it's the weekend before that. So it's the end of June, beginning of July. Uh, And then I just wanted to mention that they changed the name from Potlatch to Sunbreak. So this is the first year that it has a new name, but it's really still the same event. Uh, And of course, at that event, Ryan will be doing whatever crazy system that he comes up with. It's always different every year. And it's always really fun because he comes up with these rules where you get to you can use some sort of a strategy to improve your score. So you read the rules, you think through it, and then you can come up with a pretty interesting strategy. It's like this, it's half freestyle and half mental challenge. It's really fun. Well, I think this year he's doing, it's a one-on-one, uh, it's solos. Oh yeah. So it's solos and it's, it's, it's kind of like, um, I think it's a game called hearts. Is that what it's called? Where you're trying not to get any hearts in your hand Or you can shoot the moon and get all the hearts in your hand. That's the thing that I equated it to. So you're trying to come up with a move that is so hard that only one person can do it, one other person. That's the best score that you can get. But if it's so hard that no one can do it, then you lose. Interesting concept. I hadn't heard that. So that'll be fun to kind of give a go. Yeah, that will be fun. So with the U.S. Open this weekend, they're doing an individual competition as well, which is not a traditional freestyle competition. But they haven't really talked a lot about the details on what they're doing. I I heard the word uh, turbo shred thrown around. So maybe they're going to be doing just get a throw, do a move type of thing. But Lori has graciously volunteered to uh, do the live stream. So we practiced before she went. She's got the camera and a little live stream box. And Uh, As long as all the technology works out, we'll get to see it. And I'm really interested to see what kind of a concept they come up with for individual competition. And then also, like, I just want to say thanks to Chris Bellage again for all the streaming that he does. He'll be doing uh, the uh, Italian Open, as you mentioned before, uh, coming this weekend. So basically, it'll be ending right about the time this podcast comes out. But uh, thanks, Chris. He's going to be doing a lot more streams for us this year. So he's a great partner for us. Yes, indeed. Thank you, Chris. And, uh, you know, why don't we get into today's episode? Uh, What do we have on the docket today? Yeah, so today we'll be continuing our conversation 
with uh, Dave Lewis and Arthur Coddington talking about their journey throughout freestyle competition. And uh, in the previous episode, we talked to them a lot about their co-op wins with uh, Dave Murphy, but they had two co-op wins after that with different partners. And so uh, I start off by asking them, what was it like to play with different partners and how did that change their strategy? Uh, and it's a really interesting answer. So I'm sure you'll enjoy. So you guys talked extensively about 96 and 97 with Murph. You also won co-op in 98 with Murph, but then you won in 99 and 2000 with different partners. So can you talk about uh, what it was like to play with different partners? In 2001. Yeah. Yeah. Tell me, I think I got the years wrong. So tell me which years you guys won and with who? 97, 98, and 99 with Murph. Okay. 96 is Randy won in New York. 96 was your first pairs win. That's why I keep confusing it. Okay. And so then you played with uh, two different partners and won two more consecutive years. Uh, you played with Tommy, and who was the other one? Schiller. Dave Schiller. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So what was it like to change partners, and did that change your strategy at all? In 2000, it was um, it was kind of a last-minute emergency switch because we had actually built up an entire routine with Murph. And then really late in the game, he called us up and said, guys, I have to get a second back surgery. My, my back's herniated again, and there's no, there's no way I can compete and and be safe and healthy about it so he had to he had to back out and so dave and i kind of like retreated and had long conversations and brainstormed okay well who who could we play with and who would be fun to play with and um we came up with a list and uh tommy was on that list as he would be for pretty much anyone in the world and we reached out and he happened to not have a teammate and he also didn't freak out when we told him we already have a routine. I don't know how much time we'll have to build something from scratch. Can we work with you to to find a way for you to be Tommy within the structure that we already have? And he was and he was open to that, which was great. Um, but it was also Dave's and my priority for Tommy to be able to express himself because it it's not a Murph, Dave, and Arthur routine anymore. It's a Tommy, Dave, and Arthur routine. So while we had the structure, we, we customized it a bit. We met with Tommy in Santa Cruz and worked out and switched a few things around, but pretty much kept the structure the same. Um, and it happened that we were playing to sort of a, we were playing a Led Zeppelin song, which had a really nice free energy that I think suited Tommy's game. And so that, that was a good thing. What do you remember, Dave? Yeah, I remember. Actually, it was difficult at first uh, for me and Tommy. I think we had a sort of, uh, um, I can't think of the word, but we we weren't really connecting. And it took a while for that to happen. Um, but I, I do remember that when we got there, Arthur and, and Tommy played amazing, and I kind of was not playing very well. But, um, yeah, we hit a lot of music cues, it's, you know, stuff like that. But the next year, we um, played with Dave Schiller. And um, I'd always wanted to play with Dave Schiller because I I thought he was the best player in the world. And he always he does you know, amazing stuff. And to play with Schiller was amazing. Um, and so we played that year, um, FPA Worlds there. And Dave was the, was the guy who led that one. You know, it's like, uh, you know, you never know having that's what's great about having good partners. You know, they'll step it up when they need to. You know? 
Yes, we were able to to build a a routine from scratch with Schiller. And Mm -hmm. so we did the the David Bowie Chemical Brothers routine. And we were able to kind of like build on our strengths and kind of like Schiller can do any move that you want. So I remember saying, so Dave and I have been doing this double spinning upside down leg over pull. It'd be cool to put that into a co-op. And and he says, okay, throw me upside down. And he goes, double spinning leg over pull. You mean like this? And he, or do you mean doing it the other way? And like he could do it whatever way you want on command. And huge upside to thinking of any co-op because he's able to do anything you want. And uh, so it was. It was like this this uh, bountiful riches of our new teammate. Um, <laughs> what Dave is saying is that Schiller is the reason that we won that year. Because our our finals routine was not going well in the first minute or so, and D- Schiller told us after the routine, like there was a moment where he he's told himself we're not losing, and I think that corresponded to his first indie, where he's doing like a, I'm guessing that's the one where he does the the guide standing guidance pull. Um, so he like he got us back on track. There's that moment where you like you you put down the moment of the routine and you look your teammate in the eye and go, are you with me? And, and we were with him. And especially when the music changed, we started to feel it and we started to like make it big, but without Schiller on that day, we don't win. (laughs) That's interesting. So have you ever looked at a teammate and you go, are you with me? And they look back and they go, no. (laughs) (laughs) Welcome to Frisbee hell. (laughs) (laughs) One thing I I do want to say, it it seems like we're focusing a lot on winning or whatever. And that obviously with tournaments, it's what you want to do, you know. Um, But I think that having that goal really lifts your game. Because I know there's a lot of people who don't like competition because of the idea of uh, why, you know, focusing on winning is or competition isn't necessarily what freestyle is about. It's about jamming. And yes, it's about jamming, um, but I think that competition always raised our game. I think that having to keep um, pushing and pushing is what you, and having a tournament ahead of you, I think helps you raise your game. Yeah, it definitely helps to have that goal in mind to push you to try new things and, and practice and get more solid. Yeah. I know yeah. it's helped me in the past. And through all the years that we're talking about, there's hundreds of hours of jamming with our crew in Santa Monica that has nothing to do with competition. It's just friends having fun with each other and doing cool things with a Frisbee in perfect wind and really just having a blast. Like that, that part is there as the through line, just as much as Arthur and Dave doing so many run throughs of the routine before they fall down exhausted. Yeah. Doing a variety of throws, like Z and uh, Z Wayand is um, was part of that, and you could throw him anything, and he would do something with it. Mm-hmm. It didn't matter what you threw him. The, the whole thing about, and we've been talking to lots of folks, and there's been this talk about between competition and jamming, and competition is kind of what we have developed as this way to get together and compare skills, but. Is it healthy? And there is unhealthy things about it. And so it, it is a struggle. 
um, figure out what is it that we want out of this. And this is kind of going into kind of more of a philosophical, why do we do this? Uh, I think but we do it, it is, for different reasons. You know, I think we do it for different reasons. As Arthur and Dave were saying, it, it's something that helps drive people to improve their game. It gives you a goal. It gives you a purpose. Um, but a, a lot of us also do it for the family aspect. The tournaments are what brings everybody together. I don't think there are many other events where all the freestylers gather in one place and and have friendship and family and support uh, besides the tournament. And so I, I think that's the second part of it. And even though we're competing against each other, one of the nice things about freestyle is that at the end, we still support each other. You know, I, If I'm going for the championship and one of my competitors does an awesome routine, I feel kind of bad because I want to win, but I'm also really excited for them. And I run out there and I congratulate them. I'm yeah. really happy when people do well. Yeah, I remember um, my father went up to uh, the Indian Summer Tournament. I think it was like 81 or something. And he's like, how come everybody's cheering for each other? I don't get that. Because he used to, you know, obviously competitions where everybody is just trying to beat each other. But, it, you know, in freestyle, we're all kind of rooting for each other, which is kind of cool. Yeah, it's very cool. I, I just want everyone to enjoy freestyle in the way that makes them the most happy. If James Weissman te- tells me today that competition isn't making him happy and that he just wants to jam, then I'm happy for him. I, I am as happy for someone who just wants to play catch without ever doing a trick throw or a trick catch. As long as that is fulfilling them, that's freestyle and that's perfect. Yeah, I, I think that the dilemma with competition is that we're trying to put this this thing into a box where we can analyze it and judge it, and yet it is this free-form thing that is done. So it's kind of like trying to put this square peg into a round hole just by the nature of what it is, trying to quantify something that is almost not quantifiable. Um, yeah. It's a struggle with any subjective sport. My point of view on it is before one sets up a format of competition or a judging system, you should think about what you want from that. Like if if I want the if I want the outcome of the competition to be recognition for um, creativity and theatricality then I should shape the competition accordingly. If I want the outcome of the competition to be people trying to do moves that progress the technical reaches of the sport, independent, like, and having permission to fail, then I'm going to have a totally different format of competition. The format that we've been um, tinkering with over the year is something in the middle of, can we have everyone be in the same competition together and measure all of it at the same time? And that's a tricky balance. One piece that you miss, and that's the spontaneous piece too. Uh-huh. So that is that, you know, you got that creative, you got the technical, and then you got the spontaneous mm-hmm. where you just want to see where it goes. Well, yeah. and that, I, um, just because Randy brought that up, one of my highlights of my career was playing with Randy in 2009 in, in Berlin because the premise was we can't plan anything. And that stretched me because that's not natural to me and so we got our placement was third place but that's as valuable of a performance to me as any win so to riff on that one of my highlights of my whole freestyle frisbee career was a spontaneous uh, adventure with you and paganello oh yeah i mean that was what started the whole thing was like right 
Yeah. And we yeah. we didn't win it. That was the semis. And that really was one of the highest moments of a Frisbee experience yeah. that I ever have had. And yeah. it was just magic. That was one that was one that was like career moment and also like in one of those intangibles. I remember coming up to you when you got into the tent and you were like, Hey, how are you feeling? I'm like, I'm on. <laughs> and and you came with me and we didn't have anything planned, literally no co ops plan. Nothing. Other than like, I'll start with the disc, and in fact, we might not have even had that. Yeah, I think. Did you want to start, or did I want to start? And yeah. it, I mean, it yeah. really was that loosey goosey, and it looked like a full on choreographed routine when mm. you look at it. And I remember just afterwards, you know, we we hug in, looked at each other, yeah. and went, "Wow, that was transcendental. Yeah. It was really that crazy." Yeah, yeah. And without that night, we don't play in Berlin. There, Correct. Like, there's no, there's no reason to even think about it because I'm on a. I'm on a world's hiatus and I don't know where you were with worlds, but I'm not yep. gunning for a world championship, but right. that was like, Ooh, we should try that again. Yeah. And what we found out is that you can't recreate that. <laughs> <laughs> is that what you found out? That, that magic appears and it's not something you can just like snap your fingers and say, let's do it again. But you can put yourself in the situation and enjoy it for what it is. Whether or not that that super duper magic is there, or whether just the normal magic is there. Yeah. Well, and you have to. It's like fishing. You have to throw the hook out there, and maybe you'll catch it. Right. You just got to keep trying and trying, and eventually the moments will come. Yes, that magic is elusive, and I love your analogy of the whole fishing thing. Throw a line in the water, and and you know you might catch a fish, and you might not, and that's really how spontaneous play uh, has been for me. And you know you can't plan for it; it just appears. And I actually remember one that you and I were lucky enough to have that opportunity appear. And it was not too long ago. It was at Potlatch. And we totally did a spontaneous run. And it was dropless. And it was awesome. Do you remember that magic? Oh, my God. Yeah, that was so much fun. It was. To you're right. It was totally magical. We did uh, ground moves, wind moves. We were passing back and forth. I came off that field that day with such a... Hi, I don't know. It was amazing. It was fun. Yeah. Thank you, Randy, for being a yeah. part of that. <laughs> oh, well, thank you, Jake. Uh, my my pleasure, to say the least. That is the fun about going spontaneous, because that when it does work, it is magic that is not comparable to choreographed stuff. So, yeah, yeah. or it's just, or it's just different. I should say it's not that the magic can't be had with choreographed stuff, because certainly have had some really spectacular moments with choreographed routines as well. Yeah, but maybe, I don't know, maybe the difference is uh, the expectations, because when you have a choreographed routine, you kind of know what's going to happen. And so it could be amazing, but it's still something that you planned for and uh, had an expectation. Whereas when it, when it spawn, you never know what's going to happen. And when something amazing happens, it's just so unexpected that it's a, it's a rush. Maybe it's more of a gift when you go spontaneous because you're not expecting it. Yeah. Yeah, it's more of a gift, more of a surprise. Like you talk about looking for that surprise. It's a surprise for you because you didn't know what you were right. going to get. And yeah. we do love our surprises here at frisbeeguru.com. <laughs> I know. Too bad we don't have a surprise announcement. That would be pretty cool. Be perfect lead-in <laughs> for that. So anyhow, what I, I, I do want to talk to our listeners a little bit and just say, um, hey, guys, thanks a lot for listening. And um, we would love to hear feedback from you. If you love our podcast, if you hate our podcast, if you'd like to see us do anything different, let us know. And also the website, we would love to hear some feedback on the website, too, if you think there's things that could be organized better 
uh, things that you like, things that you want to see us do or change. We would love to hear that. So um, one way to give us feedback is to go up to the website, frisbeeguru.com, and click on the About button. And then under there, there's a Contact Us button. And then there's a form you can fill out. Just fill out the form. I'll get an email, and uh, I'll reach back to you and let you know I got it. And Another way to get in touch with us is on our Facebook pages. So just um, go up there and send us a private message through the page, and uh, we'll get feedback that way as well. So um, thank you very much. We would love to hear your feedback. Yeah, we really would love to hear from you. And uh, on that note, Jake, I will talk to you next week. Talk to you next week. Thanks for listening to Shooting the Frisbees with Jake and Randy. To contact us or for more info, check us out at frisbeeguru.com. Home to Haynesville, shooting the frisbees, and live streaming freestyle frisbee.